over the past week, what was more surprising? The fact that Michael Delzato was a Detroit Red Wing for a quick minute or first line Michael Rasmussen? I don't know. I was most excited about Michael Delzato as a Red Wing, I think. Who is the better Red Wing? David Savard or Michael Delzato? I mean, it's hard to argue. David Savard or yeah. uh, over Ern over Michael Delzato because I mean who would you rather I mean if you look at the fancy stats David Savard is very much very much not a fan or not how do I say like he's not well liked by the fancy stats I was was trying to know what I was trying to say it's uh we're coming off a long break and the holiday break did not do any favors for me me neither my brain's just mush right now how's the holidays for you long <laughs> just too long huh yeah how about you way too much food way too much drinks it's just like my stomach that today was like you need to you need to fix this yeah long talk in the mirror you know just, i'm like i'm human garbage kind of thing but hey we're back it feels like well, a monday it's not it is a monday it's a monday <laughs> oh but yeah, welcome into another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. Yeah, and Andy's currently having fun uh, plowing up snow currently. So I uh, you can't say I'm jealous. No. <laughs> it looked like that picture he sent us. That uh, was quite the pile. That was a nice one. That was, uh, it looks like my living hell. Uh, here, in, <laughs> here in Massachusetts, there's still no snow on the ground, so... I'm currently I can't complain. Yeah. Can't complain. I'm like this today. I was like a little chilly walking in my car. It was like 20 degrees. I'm like, this is, you know, I'm being a big wimp about it. Um, But yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to go back to where we were the last episode. We were pretty bummed out. Like the season, you know, we're in the midst of a, it was a five game losing or no four game losing streak at that point. Um, it looked like Dylan Larkin might be out for a number, like, you know, quite a while. Um, there was no updates on Bertuzzi, Fabry, really, uh, Verana, Mata was also out for a little bit, but, uh, that immediate practice after we got done, it, it seems like we have that luck. We release an episode and something significant happens. It's kind of just our, how it goes, I suppose, as content creators, but, um, yeah, uh, Verona just uh, he's back. I gotta say, like way earlier than expected. I mean, it's hard to expect anything like that. You, I think the timelines pretty much. There's no timeline essentially, so I mean, it could be a week thing, or it could be two years. I mean, I don't know. There's just yeah, right. no, there's no timeline. Exactly. I, I don't know. You, you just think when there's a no given timeline, you're like, okay, it's probably long. Yeah. And also Dylan Larkin was at the practice, which was big. And then Ali Mata also skating and then also played. Um, yeah, big time. And I remember Friday, like I'm like, like that Friday, it would have been the 20, no, not the 20th. It was the, I don't, I don't remember what day it was. That's how long ago it was. But I remember our spirits were very high. And then that Ottawa game happened and kind of just like, well, never mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we want it, it was so long ago that I mean, it's been talked about quite a bit and it's don't need to really rehash too much. Uh, I did like the fact that a couple guys like like Valeno, I thought had a really nice game. I mean, had a really nice goal. Um, Heronic scored on the power play, which was fun. But then I mean, the rest of the game, I mean, special teams is just an absolute nightmare. Uh, one yeah. for seven. One for seven in the power play. He let up a shorthanded goal, and then also uh, three power play goals against. Not yeah, a not recipe. Good. Not a recipe for success. Poor Villy got left out to dry on the. Um, it was the Tyler Mott shorthanded goal? If I'm not mistaken. That was pretty bad on all aspects. Um, and yeah, that was the fifth one, fifth game of the losing streak, and then it continued in Washington, which. Uh, I don't know. How did you feel? I saw like debates on Red Wings Twitter about this um, one way or the other. But how did you feel about like Ovi potentially breaking against the Red Wings? Were you one of them that were like, this can't happen against the Red Wings? Or you're kind of like, it's kind of destiny. It'd be kind of cool, poetic against the Red Wings. 
I don't know. As long as the Red Wings win, I couldn't really care less. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, I don't think it really matters. That's kind of where I was at. Like, I, I felt like there was like a hard line between two of them. And then I kind of like seeing Red Wings fans' opinions. I'm like, I really don't. I think, I think it'd be kind of cool. I think it's an irrelevant argue or conversation, to be honest with you. Fair. Fair. I, again, I'm just. Again, conversation. I I was a thing, and I I I mean, ultimately, Derek Lalonde made it a point to have it not be against the Red Wings, and they did that. But it almost seemed like the entire game plan was set at that, and then nothing else. Which is kind of not good to do against Washington at this stage in Ovi's career is to focus on Ovi too much. Also, the fact that how good they've been playing right now. Yeah, nine and one. Their past it's, it's not like he's just a one-man wrecking crew right now. Not like he used to be in his prime. He's still a fantastic player, but like you have other really good pieces around him that you shouldn't just be keying on one guy. Like if you're gonna, yeah, leave... like Eric, Eric Gustafson. Yeah, exactly. Hatrick against Toronto, stud. And then goal against Detroit. Yeah. Um, Ovi did end up passing. I think it was against Winnipeg a couple nights later, but uh, yeah, I was. Obviously, pretty cool moment. He's the greatest goal scorer of our generation, or of all time, probably all time. Um, and it, I mean, ultimately, he will pass Gretzky, but uh, didn't happen against Detroit. Uh, there were some good moments. I, I said the th- the first period was one of the best periods I've seen the Red Wings play in probably about a month. Very yeah. good all around. That new first line, which we'll talk about in plenty the next game, but uh, prawn nasty little tuck. The yeah, that was, that was that was clean. Slick, slick, and then Bergeron down low on the power play to Sunquist again. Really nice. It's showing off his ability on the power play. I did like that you pointed out the last episode that you wanted to see Kubelik opposite of Bergeron, and they did that. Yeah, it's a definitely a step. And I thought the power play unit looked pretty good this game. Uh, ultimately, it was only really that goal. Uh, but then the rest of it, I mean, it was kind of a mess. The red, like the Red Wings got outshot, I believe it was forty six to nineteen, in total. Forty two to nineteen. It was forty two. Yeah. Yeah, I think I tweeted from the podcast account that it was forty six, but maybe I was off. Um. Oh well. The other, you know, either way, not a winning recipe. No. Nope. Uh, definitely some ugly moments. There was a uh, Nick Dowd scoring two goals in seven seconds. I mean, you shouldn't let any player score. Two goals in seven seconds or whatever it was, but especially Nick Dowd. And he danced Raymond on that first one. Yeah, Raymond, I thought, was having a really good game. And then he got walked like a dog. Yeah, I know. Was... I, remember, I remember you literally texted in the chat. You're like, Raymond's looking real good today. And then <laughs> gets yeah. walked by a fourth liner. Um, it was a nice shot. A, a, good, a good fourth liner at that. I think Nick Dowd is one of the better fourth liners in the league. They have like a good they have a good fourth line. Garnet Hathaway also a good fourth liner cuz they can do everything. Right? Correct, yeah. They're no, just I, such I good role players. Like Nick Dowd is one of my one of my favorite fourth liners to watch because of what he can do. He's a big boy too. He can step into like a lot of different roles in the bottom six. Yeah, I mean that's just like the teams like that that have that success for this longevity, they need guys like that that can step up and produce points when needed. Yeah. And again, a tight game like that, regardless of them out shooting Detroit. I mean, it was only a four, three game. Yeah. Like I I think he's up to like probably 15 or 16 points too this year. Almost half half a point per game. Yeah. Very good for a fourth liner. Yeah. Especially the capitals with all these injuries too. I mean, they've been very good of like, it's not them to like, they've worked themselves into a playoff spot where it was looking pretty bleak at one point. Um, I've been to... a Capitals doubter all season. I'm the first to tell you that. I still have my doubts, but like right now, that you can't deny that they're playing really good. They aren't playing really good hockey. They yeah, work the Red Wings. Uh, they're getting good goaltending too. I said that. What did I? What did I say going into the off season? Okay, one part of the take was bad. The fact that I think now Alexandrovich just needs a backup goalie. But yeah. I said Charlie Lindgren would have been a perfect backup, and he is good. Yeah, yeah, especially with Kemper being out too for a while. I think Kemper's making his return. He backed up against Detroit. He's made, I know, but I think he's making his return return tonight. Okay. 
Um, but because I mean, he's obviously, obviously still the starter with that money, and he hasn't proven himself out of a spot. It's just lingering. Has been so good while Kemper. That's what you need, though. When when you sign a a backup goalie to a three year contract, you need him to be able to carry some carry a load. It's kind of like a a Francois in Colorado. Granted, he is hurt right now, but yeah, it's just how it's how it goes. How she goes, um, yeah. Orloff wins in OT. There was also the cop to Raymond goal, which was kind of nice. I did like that pass from cop, uh, and we did say like that. I mean, we'll get more into the the um. Tampa game, but that second line actually it's it's just one piece away. I think Cop and Raymond have actually started to form a little bit of chemistry together. Both are pretty good passers. Again, it's just like I'd like to see Cop move his boots a little bit more and shoot a little bit. Both guys don't really love to shoot. They need a shooter on that line. Yeah. That's the big thing. And I mean, obviously we'll talk about Verona and where he could potentially fit in the lineup. But um yeah, the Tampa Bay game, that was a much, much needed game. That was a lot of fun. I had a very good time watching that game. 7-4 win. Um, and I do want to, like, the first line, uh, on paper, you wouldn't think, like, this would have a bunch of success. But Rasmussen, Larkin, Perron. And I thought this is the one of the better games I've seen Michael Rasmussen play. But also, like, Dylan Larkin is one of his better games of the season, too. I really felt that he really picked his, his game up this game, too. Like you could tell, he was playing hurt the fir- the first couple games of the where we're recapping here after coming back from injury, but he looked like he was playing with some real authority, and David Prawn's just even keel. Yeah, I, I would say it's good. Um, I still think there's more. I I thought Rasmussen was was also very good, and he he was the game prior to just. Giving him a little bit more freedom to play wing really opens him up to do a lot more things, in my opinion, where he's not so ultra-focused. And I think it gives Larkin a little bit of breather to take some weight off his chest, knowing that he has Ras to eat some defensive play, too. Because they can kind yeah. of flip, flip-flop a little bit. Um, I will mention, before we hop into Ras's four-point night, that two of them were shorthanded points, um, or not shorthanded, um, empty net points. Which uh, I don't know. I know it depends. Think... It depends. It depends how you look at it. He's trusted enough to be out there, and I think he's earned the. You earn those points to be out there, and you make a defensive stop to get a goal or assist on a goal. Granted, it is easier. It is a heck of a lot easier. I I am. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm pretty one-sided on empty net points. I think they're kind of a very interesting topic. But how else would you score them, though? You know what I mean? Like, could, would they be just like a shootout goal? They just don't count. Yeah, I don't know. I that would be an interesting thing too, right? Because in the in the in now in the age of gambling and fantasy hockey and stuff like that, like people would be outraged. Oh, a hundred percent. But I mean, he had two legitimate points, and those points were very valued, in my opinion. And then he is very trustworthy to be put out there at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now the the evolution of Michael Rasmussen has been so much fun to watch. Again, we talked about it a lot last year because in the beginning we I we've talked about it plenty on this podcast. In the beginning of last season, we were very much on what does Michael Rasmussen bring value wise to this team. And you move to the back the last 20 games of the season where he spent some time on the wing and he really started to find his game. He really simplified things and going more north south south. We were like, oh okay, he's there. And it carried over to this season. He was playing as a I would say a fine third line center. And you move him to the wing uh, by mostly the word of Alex Tangay, according to Lalone, that Tangay has been the one banging the table for it. And you look at this these last three games, he's been fantastic. It's his trajectory has been pretty crazy, actually, how it how it has went. It's a it's never been an upward, just just a steady incline. 
incline. It goes back to that stupid NHL CHL agreement. Yeah. Hunter, he's another player. I mean, look at Shane Wright, for example, right now that's dealing with it. Obviously, they're too good for their CHL teams, but they're not good enough to be an NHL player. Yeah. Michael Rasmussen was forced into the NHL in 20, I think it was 2018, 2019 season, where he played technically a full season, even though he just scratched a bunch and he played fourth line majority. He only had like 18 points. Again, he looked, he looked un, out of place. Yeah. And then he finally got to go to the Griffins. He started to find his game a little bit. And then he bounced up between the Red Wings in like the 2021 season, the shortened season. He played most of the season in Detroit. Last season, he kind of it was took him to the end of the season to really find his legs. And now at age 23, he's really starting to find his game. Again, do you view would you view him long term as like a winger? It's hard to say. It's such a small sample size. Do I want to see a lot more for from him on the wing? Yes. I, I want to see him playing there for a while, give him an extended period. Um, but to kind of go off that a little bit, it's it's hard to just say he's been found, right? Like his his evolution, I know, has just been a roller coaster, in my opinion. He's had some great strings of games, and he's had some incredibly bad strings of games. And I'm hoping we kind of cross that bridge. He's been, this season in particular, has been the most consistent he's been in his career, which comes with age. But it's been kind of a little bit of a surprise to me, actually. I wasn't completely expecting him to be super consistent this year. And it hasn't been, like, great consistency. It's just been, like, he's been there every night. And I haven't really been thinking about how bad he's playing. Yeah, the only it's, game it's, could... just been, it's just been you're not hurting the team, which happened a couple times last year where I wanted to gouge my eyes out or something. No, I think I'm trying to, like, think, like, I think the Boston game probably was the worst. Where he took a bunch of dumb penalties. I only remember this really because I was there. Yep that that one was that one was bad, but that that just kind of goes to show. I mean, like I said, his evolution has been a roller coaster, and I I, I do think he's a good a pretty darn good hockey player, and I think he does have a pretty high ceiling still, and I think his ceiling is higher once you put him on wing because it yeah, frees him up so much. Yeah, like he's able to get in the corners. I mean, you look at the it was the second Larkin goal where he absolutely he created all of that. Mucking it up, went off a skate, and then Larkin just shoots it, fires it. Granted, Brian Elliott didn't have his best game. He was atrocious who for a goalie who's been a pretty darn good goalie this year as a backup. Yeah. Again, back to the Charlie Lindgren conversation, just giving what you just giving the team what you need from a backup. Yeah. Um definitely that was a big one. Uh, a little drop pass to the Larkin goal, which was nice. Uh, the first one. And then his own, the tip to uh, tie the game again at a big moment, 30 seconds left in he's, the first period. He's r- really good on those like kind of tips like that too. He, he's an interesting player when it comes to like offensive ability, right? Because I, I think his hands are pretty like meh. They need work. They need a lot of work. But his shot is sneaky good. And then his hands up, his hand eye on plays like that is pretty good. I mean, you look at back in junior, like where did he score most of his goals? Right in front of the net. And yeah. then he also, and then he also had the, he'd have the occasional like long range, like he actually ripped it. Yeah. I think part of the reason, though, it's never just been a straight line for him in front of the net is simply due to his hands. Uh, in the NHL, you kind of need like pretty good hands to be able to score right around that area. It's not as easy as it is in juniors. You can just smack home rebounds for, for yeah. him because of his size. But a lot of the players you see playing net front on a power play are very skilled players that have good hands or even just have a great knack for the net. 
Yeah, you look at like a Tyler Bertuzzi who doesn't have the best hands either. He's no, just very he's just really good. Tenacious. And again, if Rasmussen with the injuries and stuff like that, I know he's on the first power play unit right now, which I do love him getting the opportunity. Me too. I agreed. Well, it was nice to see a change from Sunquist. Who again I'll, he did score after being taken off the first unit on the second unit, but granted, whatever. Um he's hard not to love. Yeah, I know. I do I do like Sunquist a lot. He's not a powerful guy in my opinion, though. He he's not, but he fills a need when when you need to. Yeah, great. In, in a pinch, he's fine on the power play. Good to have a good to have a player like that. Exactly. But Michael Rasmussen's a guy who has way more upside. Who could and again, I I'd love to see him drive the net more. Again, I think there was like his for in his first season he had this play where he scored against Vegas on a flurry. He got a pass in on the the it would be the left half wall i believe he caught it and then he went backhand roof just a quick pull in and then shoot and after out muscling a defenseman and i'd love to see him be able to be more of an option there from like a prawn let's say if they're playing give and go pass there he instead tries to drive the net there yeah and then whoever's on the backside i think i think it's raymond right now also creep in and if there's a rebound it's an easy you tap it on that again I don't know. I think it's just something that needs to be utilized way more. And Rasmussen with his like his size again. I I know his skill is still not really there, but I've really loved the rest of his game. He's rounded out his game very nicely, and it is nice that Larkin doesn't have to take all these faceoffs. Yeah, and Rasmussen, who has been a pretty good faceoff guy this year on a team that does not have many good faceoff guys, that's been definitely a a nice boost to say the least. Um, we also had, I mean, starting the score in this game, offensive dynamo, only Mata. Off a really nice play from Pew Suter. I know you had some nice words to say about Pew Suter in the, the group chat as well on in terms of how his game has been able to complement where he's ready to play. Yeah, he's just been ready to fill, fill a need, any need that's there for him. Um, granted, I think he's one of the guys that is on the outside looking in, possibly when all these faces come back, but he's been a really good role player throughout yeah. this. It's kind no, of played I've... at wherever. Yeah. Is it because he changed his tape job? Do you see he's now taping his toe? I did not see that. Yeah. I thought I just I noticed that right away. I'm like, this looks weird. Cause he's just not usually he's not a guy that tapes the toe. So that was uh that was kind of funny to me. Um there's also uh the really bad Brian Elliott goal who he passed away to Joe Valeno and then uh, Elmer scored. It's been since Elmer's come back, he's been called back up. He's looked, he's looked pretty good. I think so too. He, he kind of took a pretty big step back right before his injury, honestly. And since he's came back from that injury, every game I've noticed him in a very good way. Yeah. Um, which makes things even more interesting. Again, these are great options to have. And I know alone his. I think Max Bowman asked him. He's like, "Do you have like the back of the napkin, jotting up lines right now with all the new guys coming back?" And alone said, "I am not doing that until it becomes an issue because with injury." Yeah. Basically, it's just like I mean, someone else could go down tomorrow. Yeah. And you automatically already have you have another spot open. So exactly. it's just it's just plan about it. And I like that man. Mind take it one day at a time. Take it one day at a time. Um, I've like that was a really it was a really big game. I've really loved. Uh, um, I want to go. I backtrack. I meant to talk about this in the um the Washington game. I did find it cool that um, so they've been switching up the pairings a little bit with Heronic and Wallman now going together, and I did love how they had them matching up against Ovechkin line, and uh, both looked really good. That pairings looked good. And from yeah. practice today, it's staying together. Um, it's kind of it's kind of funny how it's you would have wouldn't have thought this would have happened, but Hornick's been become, become the shutdown guy. Yeah, he's getting some Norris love too in terms of like public models and stuff like that. In terms of analytics, he's had a really good season. Yes, with like the Josh Morris eaves of the world and stuff like that, who's also had a really good season. And it's uh, it's really cool to see. I I don't really have much else to comment other than that. I he's been pretty steady Eddie all year. Yes, there hasn't been many games. And again, he's whatever power play units that he's on, he's making a difference. 
his sh- he's shooting more again. Jake Wallman really just brings another element to that pairing as well in terms of his mobility. Yeah, he's love- exactly what he sampled last year, and then some. I love how easily he jumps into plays and stuff, and there's just a whole new confidence and swagger with Hironic right now, which is very easy on the eyes. It's so much of, fun to see. Instead of what we saw a little bit of last year. It's so much fun. I, I And again, like we were talking about going into the season, like maybe the Red Wings have to make a move for another, another right side defenseman. And we were talking about how Gus Lindstrom might've been the other guy with Cider. And now yeah, like, we, we didn't, we didn't, Say, say maybe it was a for sure thing. We said that they should, and I was r- right on that. Um, basically slamming the table at that. I don't think Hironic is fixable, and uh, I have been very mistakenly wrong about. We've that. been humbled. We've been humbled. I have been humbled. I um, mean, I I was on that train too. I I think I was more willing than you were. To see a change, and uh, granted, I mean, I know, I know, we we talked, we we talked about years past, like when we were like watching, like four years ago, how Horonic was one of our favorite players. Yeah, he was fantastic, and again, it's more so offensively, but like the, the team just, defensively was so so such a mess that it didn't really matter. A heavy decline over the last couple of years, and this year he's been oh, he's been so good. Yeah, um, I do want to throw some love to Sherat and Cider, who I thought have picked up their game the past couple. I think it's mostly the physicality. Like that Minnesota game, I think since then Siders looks really good. Siders like something looks really good. Something something's started um started to be awoken in him, maybe. It was maybe. just like I don't know. He's definitely taking becoming more assertive and he's making the simple play like he was last year. Not that he's not being skilled as well. Uh, and he's back on the first power play unit, which will result in more points. And I'm not too worried about points with Cider, honestly. It's more so just the stability. Yeah. With his game. And I thought Sherrod again, he's been up and down. He's coming as advertised, but I've I've liked his physicality too. I mean, Cider was in the mix of this Tampa game with Sergachev. I yeah, that was something I think Sergachev pulled his hair, I saw. Um he, Cider also hit Hagel kind of in a weird way. Because it was like almost like the follow through the hit was run ran him to the boards and hurt him. I don't know if he was Hagel out long term or anything. Like I didn't see anything. I don't. I don't even know. Yeah, all I know he like is, left. All all this happened so long ago, so I'm having trouble remembering. <laughs> to I be know. Honest. I know it's whatever. It's almost this is almost a full week ago at this point because it was Wednesday last week, and this is we're recording this Tuesday, and this will come out Wednesday, obviously. But yeah, definitely a. Uh, it was fun to see, to say the least. A prawn also scored on the empty net. The Rass empty net goal is very funny. I want to give him. I know you were complaining about the empty net points, but and that one, I think he earns it simply for looking for Larkin. <laughs> no. <laughs> someone doesn't earn a goal for looking for someone. No, you're mm. such a such no. a negative Nelly. I I think it's cool what he did trying to look for Larkin. But no, it was very funny. I don't know. I think there's something needs to happen with empty net points. Um, you're, you, you're most most people are trying to how to find a ways to crank up offense. You're trying to take away offense. I'm saying it should be taken away from like statistics. I think it should still count towards the score, but do it in a way where it takes away from personal statistics. Yeah, so it would be like for gambling purposes, it'd be like you you still hear you're over yep. in a game, but in terms of like player prop bets, it wouldn't count. Nope, doesn't count as a shot on goal. Well, doesn't yeah, it would get a little. So you tricky. get you get you open up this whole can of worms because it oh it does count technically as a shot on goal, and well, it goes saying, in the net. I'm saying it, it. I don't think it should because there's not a goalie in that is the only problem. Is so, the goal though? It is the goal, but I don't think it. I think there's. It's a really rough patched idea right now, and I'm kind of thinking on the fly, but I think something needs to be doesn't need to be done. I should stop you need, saying that. You need to give me a five minute argument on how this makes sense right now. I don't care if it's on the fly. I'm kidding. Yeah, I know you're kidding. I looked at you like you're kidding, but you know what I mean. 
Yeah, no, I got you. I'm I'm all for like fun ideas. Again, like I said, I've been I've been banging the table for the power the power kill for forever because that would be extremely fun. Yeah, power kill and also two minute major penalties. I didn't know. I, I was like listening, uh, like I was listening to like this old like this uh, podcast like last week or something. And they were talking about the the history of those, and it only so all two minute penalties used to be um, majors. What podcast? It was the Jeff Merrick uh, oh, okay. show. I believe it was guest host. His producer was guest hosting Matt Marchese, but um, basically they were talking about the history and how the Montreal Canadiens ruined the two minute major because their power play was so good that they'd score all the goals that all the other teams complained about it. And I kind of view in the sense of like for certain penalties, like let's say like maybe like a trip would be a major, but then like a puck over the glass is not. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the sense if you could keep scoring that two minute, like if you have such a good power play, you should be able to just keep getting rewarded. And if the penalty kill's not stopping you, that's their fault. Yes and no. I it increases, and then like like I said, with the the power kill, it increase it increases goals either way because then teams take the chance to try to score on the penalty kill because that's going to kill the power play. Yeah, way more fun. I'm all for fun, all for fun. Um, I suppose we should talk a little newsy bits, but first, um, make sure that everyone's aware that uh, inside the rinks we we're with ESPN Plus. So if you're looking for to watch out of market games, make sure you sign up with ESPN plus using uh, uh, inside the rink.com slash ESPN. Again, I use it. Grant uses it um, really good for watching Red Wings when you're not in market. Um, a lot of other good games as well. Be sure to check that out. Um, plenty of other stuff going on in Red Wings land. Um, we kind of alluded to it a bit ago. Uh, monster trade right before the roster freeze. Giovanni Smith moved. For um, Michael Delzato, and then he was ultimately traded for um, Daniel Reagan. You know, household name for everyone. Um, do you have really any thoughts on uh, Giovanni Smith in general, and the move itself? Not really. I mean, I it's I hope to see him get an opportunity. Which I know he played the other night. I think he fought Matt Martin. I saw he had um, seven. I, I saw he had seven uh, penalty minutes in eight minutes of game play. So. I think him and Matt Martin fought, but um, it's I basically don't really care about the trade too much because there's such a plethora of forwards that are already on the table, and I think most of them are higher than Giovanni on the the call up list. But I'm happy to see him get another opportunity more than anything because I think he deserves it and. I think he just brings intangibles that that could could still pan out. I think he just kind of his um chance with Detroit was kind of up. So it's good to see him get a shot with Florida. I and agree. O'Regan brought some depth for at center for the Griffins, which isn't there. So that's nice. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100. Again, Giovanni Smith, he did again. A lot of players when they're on one way deals, it's a lot. It's pretty hard to hard pill to swallow to go to the AHL and yeah. it seems for everything I read and stuff, he took it with stride and he took, you know, he obviously played hard and stuff like that. And I think there might've been something like I talk and between Eisman and stuff. He's like, Hey, maybe I'll like, if you, there's an opportunity, I'll try to get you an NHL job. Yeah. Like being a good soldier and like that. And I, I do think that goes a long way in terms of management and stuff like that with agents and all that and signing free agents the following year. Um, Johnny Smith obviously drafted second or second round, uh, 2016. Uh, I thought overall, like I thought he made strides last year at certain points, but again, like like we've talked about, he, there was games where he looked almost better with hot, better players. Yeah, and he was playing his actual role. He struggled. Which but, is a problem. Uh, yeah, I he's a great guy. Everything I've everything I've seen about him, and it was cool last year to see him and his brother play on the same line. That was a lot of fun. Um, I remember the Islanders game back in December last year. He that was a big game for him. He scored against Sorokin. Had a fight, a lot of fun. So I wish him that. Yeah, again, like you said, wish him the best. And Daniel Reagan also, again, like you said, right hand center, which is pretty big, pretty good AHL score. They had pretty good college numbers as well, I believe. Uh, Twenty eight. So again, he's not a prospect, but no. it's important to have good players ar- surrounding um, your AHL guys. And with Austin Zarna kind of seemingly being called up and down, it's nice to have another guy of that caliber to be down there. Exactly. 
Um, yeah. Well, other news was uh, Amadeus Lombardi signing his ELC. Rock me, Amadeus. Amadeus. Sorry. Really, like, I didn't think to have ELC news on him coming into the season right away. And he's been fantastic. I know we send each other highlights all the time of uh, his goals in the OHL. I was, like, looking at the scoring and stuff. I'm pretty sure he's at 44 points in 31 games. Um, I didn't realize he's fourth in OHL scoring. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's like, I, I, I knew he was like pretty, I, I, I figured he was like towards the top of Flint, which he's first, but I didn't think he was that high in the OHL. I mean, from a fourth round pick, pretty good value so far. Yeah. He was an overager too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Right. And again, he was a weird one in the sense of he didn't really get to play a full, he got to play one OHL season because his first season was ruined during the COVID. He was barely an overager, too. I think he was because kind of like Buchelnikov, too, who was b- right. barely an overager as well. I'm pretty sure Buchelnikov was by like nine days. Yeah. I don't I'm know pretty... uh, Lombardi's birthday off the top of my head, but um, I'm pretty sure he's still like, I think it might have been a July birthday, so like a couple months, I believe. Um, but no, this is huge for the Red Wings. Again, uh, three year ELC. I'm pretty sure he might have a similar situation to actually, no, I think it's. He still had to play in the OHL next year, I believe. Because I wasn't sure if he'd be able to go to Grand Rapids next year. I think no, he has to I, I think it's another year OHL. Um, because it's either I, it's, you know, he will be twenty. He can go to the OHL or the, or the age. I think I think you're right. I think he he would be able to. Um, not necessarily saying that's what's going to happen, but I mean, it's a pretty good indication with uh, signing an ELC. The Red Wings could see a future. Obviously, you'll yeah. probably go through training camp next year, and you kind of make a decision from there. But currently, on pace for over ninety points. Yeah, which is very good production for a nineteen-year-old. Yes, especially fourth-round pick. Again, he's very small. Like it's not. He's like uh, he's a buck sixty-five or something, five eleven. But he's got really good speed, uh, very flashy hands, and he's able to score. So it'll be curious to see. It definitely, will need time in the the AHL and the, maybe even the ECHL, but who knows? This is another project pick. You're like, let's see. Yeah. Give them all the time. And it's, it's so far. It's pretty promising. So I'm happy for our congrats. Amadeus. That's pretty cool. And the Red Wings so far, I mean, pretty promising uh, storylines from the 2022 draft. You have Marco Casper playing a huge role for his SHL team. Buchelnikov has got time in the KHL and also dominating the VHL. Um, I'm pretty sure who's Johansson has been pretty good bouncing between the SHL and uh, the J20 team. If I'm missing anyone, please let me know. That's all I can really think of in terms of um, the big storylines of that draft. Yeah. Um, what is weird though, and I wanted to like kind of talk about it a little bit was the uh, World Juniors because I f- I feel like um a lot of the past couple of years has been like we have eight guys. Let's fo- let's do a deep dive on all of them. This year is so weird in the sense of we have one prospect to watch. That's Red Savage. Um, yeah. USA. Very weird. And again, it's just, it's not really the Red Wing. Like, it's just like, so Casper was the Red Wings kind of made the decision he's going to play in Austria, made the decision he's going to play um, men's. Edvinson, they decided they weren't going to loan him out and he wanted to stay with GR. Um, Dower Nelson got cut and along with Shai Buyam. So there could have there been like five guys. That I'm thinking of, and also Buchelnikov with Russia. Yep, he would have been another guy that would have been in the tournament. But so I mean, there's just, that's six right there that due to different circumstances weren't going. But um, I I understand the Casper one more than the Edvinson one, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't send Edvinson. Casper, I'm like watching the score. I mean, Sweden beat out on Austria eleven nothing. I'm like that doesn't make any sense. You can yeah, he's good. I was it's actually good. really questioning the Edmonton one personally. I mean, if they simply really for the fact f- he didn't have a great tournament the last tournament. If they're really feeling like he's doing really good out down there, and or like progression has been really good, and they kind of want to keep it like that and not interrupt it, I understand that. But man, to play for your country, I was kind of view too is the sense of like also. Tournament. Yeah, I also kind of view it giving like Sabrango Vero more minutes as well. Yeah. 
because that opens up a spot on the left side. I don't know. I'll do, I, I get it both ways, but I was that was the one I was a little more surprised on. William also getting cut was kind of weird to me. With a guy There's like a Lu- lot of like mobile defensemen on US, so yeah, kind of aren't great defensively. That's kind of what William brings too. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Um, yeah, I just thought it was I thought it was interesting. Uh, with the World Juniors, I Red Savage scored against Lafia, so that was cool. Good for him. He's also wearing an A, playing third line, which is uh, pretty neat. Yeah, so good for him. Obviously, I'll be rooting for rooting for the US. With that, um, not too much else. I mean, the eleven nothing Sweden beat up on uh, Austria. That was that was not a good game. I haven't really watched any of it. Have you? It just started yesterday, but no, I have not. Yeah, I saw Canada blue against Czech, which was pretty funny. That is funny. I did I did like that? I did see the tweets about uh with Bedard and Fantilli both trying to Michigan that Torts took him off the list. The yeah. Day. <laughs> Very funny. They're, um, taking, they're taking Carlson now. I heard he was really good today. I was reading I was reading that his like uh his play driving and stuff and he's I mean he's a fantastic player too. Big boy. Yeah. It's, it would have been a fun year to suck. It would have been a yeah. fun year to suck. But uh obviously the Red Wings are on a different uh different path and things could be looking up for the Red Wings. Uh again we talked about um Verana um making his return. Uh it was announced today at practice that Verana be joining Grand Rapids for conditioning stint. I'm trying to think of the last time Verana would have played in the AHL. About like 2014, 2015. Probably somewhere right. in there. Yeah, very funny. Uh, obviously good for like it's awesome that they, he's able to do it. I know they talked about it last week. They're probably giving him it. Uh, I know a bunch of Grand Rapids people are pumped because the Griffins have their New Year's New Year's Eve game, and uh, the third game of his loan would be that game. So pretty neat that people will get to see Jacob Verana and and not a normal circumstance. Yeah. So I, I know they play, yeah, they have literally three games, and he'll probably be it could be Fabry Verona returning all in the same game, the January 4th game. Which would be nuts. Very fun. Very fun. And it kind of just goes to um what do you kind of see like some potential fits? Like who's kind of on the outs with those two returning? Well, it's really hard. I mean, I, I feel like you got a grouping of four guys right now. With Ernie and Suter as notables, and then the two guys that wouldn't have to go through waivers and Berggren and Soderblom. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of where I'm at too. I threw Valeno in there too, and similarly with the waivers thing, but I think Valeno's been really good too. Valeno's, I think, Valeno's, and he's a center. And he's Valeno's staying. Yeah, I was, I was thinking Berggren too that will like staying, but also Soderblom's been pretty good of late too. It's hard to argue his game hasn't been just as good the past couple. Yeah. Bergeron's upside is definitely there, and he he hasn't done anything to that I to take away from that. It's just more so like Soderlund's been pretty good, so I thought I should note that. But yeah, you bring up a good point. Uh, Ernie kind of had he had that rough giveaway against Tampa on the Ross Colton goal. But I mean, overall, he's still been pretty decent this year. Uh, that that's a giveaway though that happens to whomever. That's just a a fluky one, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not holding it against him. I'm just like it's notable. We're I think Ernie it. has brought a lot of physicality that the team does that kind. They kind of lack it, and he's kind of been one of the only ones night in night out that have been able to up the physicality and kind of create a little intimidation. I mean, if you bring back Verana. Let's say you sub out Suter. Mm-hmm. You bring in Fabry. You sub out. Let's say Ernie. Where are you getting physicality from? Yeah, because second in the team in hits, I believe, is Valeno. Yeah, and Vla- Valeno has been pretty physical, which I do like. Um, But, like, you have Sunquist and Valeno up front, then who else really hits? Right. Or Rasmussen? Finishes a hit. Yeah, Rasmussen does on occasion. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, again, you, you make the argument about Suter. I'm like, if you want to keep Rasmussen on the wing... Is Fabry going to center? Yeah, that would that all is um really depends on the situation. Ultimately, I don't see Rast sticking on the wing when um that's kind Ron of my point too. Yeah, Ron and Fabry come back. I don't think it's he's going to stick there. Unfortunately, but that's why I also think Lalone doesn't really think about that kind of thing right now because 
think he's kind of waiting on that because I think yeah. that's kind of a tough one too, right? Yeah. But in terms of Verona and stuff, I'd love to see him go right on that second line with Cop and Raymond having a pure shooter. Yeah. Be big. And not that Fabry shoots too quite a bit. I should give him credit there. Yeah. But I like does. to I like to see Fabry more so in the bottom six. A little lower in the lineup, get him more acclimated again. He's his is more so injury where Verona's is more so getting reps. We're Fabry coming back from injury long term and stuff like that. You want to get the legs under you. Also, Zadina skating too is an interesting one too. What you do with him? Yeah, that one's <laughs> something. He hasn't really done uh, anything. Wasn't doing anything to uh, really earn a spot. I know Lalone credited him, and they had a long conversation about his recovery and stuff like that. And Lalone credited his effort to make a comeback. And that's, I mean, that's cool. He's really trying to get back and get back into the good graces. But, um, yeah, it's a weird one of his game and where he's at after a pretty, like, promising preseason, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be definitely what <laughs> that'll be really interesting to watch. Um, I'm I'm excited about it personally. I again alone kind of said I'm I look forward to making tough decisions and I it's what he gets paid and so he gets paid to do. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Sean Spiro's tweet, and I think this is a good week where we'll see some see little different things in terms of goaltending. Um, he really in practice he was really watching the goalie how the goalie uh, shots were going because obviously with three goalies you're sharing the net a little bit, but he felt that as if it was Huso getting the number one role in terms of shots, and then it was followed up by Helbert, then Ned. Which is pretty notable in terms of you're looking at one, two, three. And right now it kind of looks like Halper's getting that backup role. Are you surprised though? No, I'm not. But I kind of am curious what the back-to-back looks like. Because Lalone went out of his way to say we're we're approaching a territory where Huso could be overworked. So definitely it looks like another goalie will play on one of these two games. I'm guessing Huso gets Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's really good. Not to say Buffalo isn't good. They're both yeah, really it's, good. It's, it's a challenging. It's a challenging back to back. Um. Uh, yeah, I I would argue like stylistically, I'd rather Helberg play against Pittsburgh. And yeah, I, I mean Buffalo I does lead, lead the league in goal. They're more of a slacking team than Pittsburgh is, in my opinion. But both are very tough matchups on a back to back that you would like to have your starter for in my eyes, but I think I'm more comfortable if Huso is playing that Buffalo game. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I actually didn't think about that. I was curious personally if this is kind of the rotation right now. Do they go well, – because he also brought up the point that with roster spots right now, because Red Wings are carrying a full roster right now, and that's with three goalies. Lalone said there will have to be a decision made on goaltending. Is it one last chance for Ned? Maybe. I thought that I, I kind of like where I was heading with because it kind of looks like. So I mean, you try to eye up two guys are coming off of, off the injury reserved in, Fabry, and I don't think Verona's on active roster technically yet. Or it's kind of a reassurance on Huso, and you already know what you have in Ned, or not on Huso, uh, Halberg, and you're trying to figure out if he's really like good enough to be an NHL backup. And you're kind of trying to get him some more games. Yeah, maybe you've seen enough of Ned. I don't know. And then they're like a little bit timid to wave Ned yet because you're not sure um, what the situation is with Helberg. I'm not saying Ned is going to get waved, but that's going to bring up a very I interesting. I kind of think that would happen, though, because who's trading for him? Yeah, I don't know what team that would really want him right now. And it also works better for the Red Wings, too, in the sense of Grand Rapids right now has pretty piss-poor goaltending. Does he make it to Grand Rapids, though? <laughs> I think so. I don't know. L.A. would be an interesting one. L.A., I would kind of question maybe they would take a swing on it. L.A. or even Arizona. Fair. Fair. Um, But other, like, other than that, I don't really see And again, if it happens, so what? Yeah, I mean, at this point. 
I would like to again. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm really curious to see what they do now. I know they they were going to talk about it at morning skate today. And obviously, if, obviously it's Huso. I'm not going to like raise an eyebrow. I'm like, okay, that's fair. Pittsburgh's the team higher in the standings. No, but the whoever, whatever the second game is, or whatever, other, whoever's the other goalie other than Huso starting, I will be very curious. Yeah, I mean, there could be a story behind it either way. Like, like you said, either they want to see give which one last chance, or they want to make sure Halberg is good enough to be a backup goalie. Yep, yep. Yeah, or even you do, because again, they play Ottawa on uh, New Year's Eve too. Maybe you just have all three, one goalie play each game. Or that. That works too. That works too. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's really anything else. I got really news wise. Is there anything else you got? Not off the top of my head. Kind of a short and sweet episode. Uh, obviously, things are looking up for the Red Wings again. I mean, to to say right now, like even with all the negativity, I was I was looking at stuff today. The Red Wings are on a ninety point pace right now. That's pretty good. Yeah. If you were to tell us, that, I think if you were to tell us that uh, October twelfth or thirteenth this season. Before the season, hey, the Red Wings are going to finish 90 points. I'd be pretty happy. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, a, lot of things, a lot of things went right. And they have. And I'm very curious how that continues throughout the season. Obviously, years past, the Red Wings have kind of been out of it. And the it's really fallen off the, the rails come this time. But with guys coming back from injury, I really hope that's rejuvenating and they kind of stay in the fight. It'll yeah. be really interesting to see. I still say a couple more weeks, and then we can kind of really look at um, playoff picture. I think right now it's still kind of murky behind Washington. And that's I would fun, say though. I would say it's getting close to starting to take shape, but I would say, like you said, maybe the next couple of weeks will be pretty telling. Yeah, I know there's plenty of odds and stuff. I think it was Hockey Reference that had the Red Wings at like a 19, percent and it was the Athletic at 5.4, and I I kind of see the range. That that's fair. Yeah. Obviously, high high end on nineteen percent, I believe, but anywhere in yeah. that range, I I'm I believe it. So yeah, it'll be uh pretty fun to watch. But uh, I think that'll do it for this one. Um, um, be sure to follow us at TPL Pod on Twitter. Um, uh, make sure you check out Inside the Rink. Um, me being on school vacation, I try to put out a couple more pieces in the coming weeks. So be on the lookout for those. Um. Check out our merch. Uh, a lot of good stuff up there right now uh, on the Inside the Rink shop. Uh, yeah, they'll do it for this one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Mm-hmm.